Well, church, would you grab your Bible and turn with me to 1 Samuel. We'll be in chapter 3 and chapter 2, both of those here in just a moment. 1 Samuel 3 and 2. We've been in a series entitled, You've Got Questions, He's Got Answers. And in our third week, we're looking at your questions that you have asked, two questions that I want to tackle today that you asked that were very, very good. The first one is this. Why does it seem like God isn't answering my prayers? Uh, That is an excellent question. It didn't just come from one person. There was multiple people who asked that in different ways. Why does it seem like God doesn't answer my prayers? Other people pray and they feel like they hear an answer from him or they feel like God is answering them. But sometimes I feel like he's not answering my prayers. The second question was asked with a lot of frequency. It was phrased differently, but I kind of compiled them to be said like this. Why can't I seem to hear from God? Why is it that when I talk to God, it seems like sometimes he answers, sometimes he doesn't answer. And why is it sometimes I feel like I can't hear him? Last night at the uh, Taste of Grace Point, I had a friend sit next to me at the table there as we were eating these awesome morsels, but they were so tiny. And it would run out. I'd have to go back and get more. And that was so tiny. I'd have to have another one. But in between those, going and getting that good stuff, I think I had stuffed pepper soup. Oh, that was really good. I shouldn't talk about food this close to lunch, but that's what it was. So I was eating the stuffed pepper soup. And my friend said, Pastor Brady, what, what question are you going to talk about tomorrow? And I shared with him the thing I just shared with you. He goes, oh, that's easy. It's not that God isn't speaking. It's just sometimes I don't want to hear him. Sometimes people don't want to hear him. I thought, that's pretty good. I said, why don't you preach that tomorrow? He says, no, 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 that's your job. And so in some ways, we can have a very quick answer to this question, but I want us to spend a little bit of time this morning going a little bit deeper in the question because I think sometimes that very true, top, broad answer doesn't quite scratch the itch of, I know he's speaking, I, I know I, it may be on my end, but, but, but what's going on and why is it happening and how can I correct it and, and does God want to speak to me? Sometimes I think of it like this. It's the mad gab game. I've shared this little illustration with you before uh, a number of months back, but, but I, I think it bears repeating again to hear some of this because I think this is how some of us feel when we think about hearing from God or talking to God. I don't know if you've ever played this game, Mad Gab, but they have these words, random words, that make no sense, and you're supposed to read them out loud, and you're supposed to read them out loud very fast, and you're supposed to get some other kind of meaning out of it. Ink, odd, wheat, rust. And you say it over and over and faster and faster. And, and I, I hate this game. I just need to tell you I hate this game because I'm no good at this game. I, I want to see it for what it is, but, but I, I read it and, and I can't hear it and I'm always the last person to get it. And, but I guess some people like it and it's just a great game or whatever. I don't know. But, but this uh, feeling that I have whenever someone wants to play Mad Gab is what I, I sense sometimes the people of God feel about prayer or what the people of God feel about hearing from God. He may be saying things, but it feels just like random words and there's some code that I'm not getting. Or uh, Why wouldn't he just, just say it? And that's my problem with this game. Just, just say it. Why, why do I have to guess it from other, other things? And, and I, I believe that God can help us with this very real question. I think if we don't answer this question, why does it seem like God doesn't answer my prayer? Or how come I can't hear from God? If we don't take this honest question and deal with it, I think it messes everything else up for us as Christians. If we can't get to the bottom of this question, a relationship with Jesus is going to end up being phony, fake, and will not have any traction. So I I thank you for asking the question. I want us to look at these two stories that will talk to us. 
The first story we're going to look at is in 1 Samuel chapter 3. I want you to take your Bible, look at verse 1 through 10. I'm going to paraphrase it, but I want it in your hand, on your phone, or in your Bible, whatever you have in front of you, so you can see I'm not making this up, okay? Even though I'm paraphrasing it, it's in God's Word. I want you to see this is exactly what took place. It's a pretty familiar passage where Samuel is there at the temple, and he's there with the priest Eli, and, and some backstory, I guess, is when Samuel was born, his mother was so blessed that God had blessed her with, with a child that she said, I'm going to give him, dedicate him back to the Lord, and so Samuel will spend his days in service at the temple. So Samuel's taken to the temple and the place of worship, and, and there Eli, the priest, is leading and, and taking care of Samuel, and so they have this relationship as they do the work of the Lord together. Well, one night... They went to bed at their normal places. Everybody's in their normal pattern, routine of ministry and worship. And and Samuel hears this voice. And the voice calls out to Samuel. And in a few verses later, we hear what, what the voice said. Called him by name, Samuel. Samuel. Samuel kind of wakes up and rubs the sleep from his eyes and walks into Eli's room and says, I'm, I'm here. What do you want? I'm ready to serve. What do you want? Eli, the priest, said, I didn't, I didn't call for you. It wasn't me. Go back to bed. So Samuel goes back to bed. Samuel hears it again. Samuel! Samuel gets up, likes to sleep from his other eye, then goes to uh, Eli's room and says, I- I'm here. What do you want? What are you, what are you, I didn't call you. And then it dawns on Eli. Maybe. Just maybe it's the Lord speaking to you. And so he tells Eli, or he tells Samuel this. Next time you hear that voice, it may be the voice of the Lord. So you answer, I'm here, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak to me. So Samuel goes back, and and sure enough, he hears it again. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel takes the advice of Eli, and he says, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak. And then the Lord speaks to him and downloads a, a message to him. This is a... A young man who's in the temple of the Lord, who's there a part of the ministry, and he's hearing from the Lord. But there's another story that is right before it, just a few paragraphs to the left. Look at uh, uh, Samuel chapter 2, verse 12 through 17. Samuel chapter 2, verse 12 says this, Eli's sons were wicked men that had no regard for the Lord. See, these sons, these young men, were PKs. They weren't pastor's kids, they were priest kids. And they were around the work. And they, were, they, they just kind of got grafted into the line of the work of the church. And they were around it and they, they began to see all these things. But well, why does the scripture say they were wicked? Well, they too would have been about the, the priestly role and duties. But they had found some loopholes that they kind of liked. And the pattern, you look at it, don't let me make it up. It's, it's 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12 through 17 is where I'm paraphrasing from this. And here's the pattern. When people would bring an offering to the Lord, a sacrifice offering to the Lord, they bring the meat to them and, and they would boil the meat and separate the fat from the meat. Kind of gross, I know, but that's what they did. And here's why. They would take the fat and they would burn the fat, uh, the, the most prized part of, of the animal, and they would burn it to the Lord, give God the best, and they would burn that as an offering to the Lord. And then the pattern was the priest would take a three-pronged fork and they would not a spork, but a fork, and they would stick it into the, the, the pot and they would pull out whatever meat was left and they could use that to, to feed themselves and they would live off of that. But these sons of Eli said, this, this is just, we're wasting all this, this fat. 
So we'll just catch people at the door before they want to boil the meat. And just, just bring me all the meat. Well, well, sons of Eli, shouldn't we, shouldn't we boil this and separate the fat and give the fat to the Lord? And then, then you can have to, nope, nope, give it to us. We'll take care of it. Stay out of it. We're the priest's kids. Leave us alone. And they, they take it all for themselves. And, 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 and the Lord is very upset with this. Look at verse 17. This sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, and they were tre- excuse me, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. It wasn't that the offering was bad, but it was what they were doing with it. You say, well, Brady, okay, that's, that's a nice story, but what does this have to do with this question that was asked? Two groups of people at the same place, in the same situations, right there, available to the same God, and apparently Samuel is hearing from God, and apparently these sons of Eli are not hearing from the Lord. It's not, they're not getting what they want from the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I have a very simple mind. And sometimes it takes a very simple illustration or object lesson for a light bulb to come on for me. And so I'm going to have Carrie come join me in a, in a simple object lesson or illustration. Now, I need to give you a warning. If you're here today and, and you are brilliant and you have a complex mind, you have permission to take a nap for 60 seconds, okay? This is for us simple-minded folks who need something to see of what the Lord is about to say to us in this text. All right? So if, if you're, like, brilliant, take a nap. If you are simple, listen. So I'll let you look to the person next to you and decide if they are brilliant or simple, if they should listen or take a nap. But you help them know what they need to do. But let, let's, let's look at this little illustration together. Dear Lord, I've been praying to you for so long and I can't hear you. Lord, I need direction. I need help. I need you to show me where I'm supposed to go, but I can't hear you. Carrie, I am here. Turn to the sound of my voice and follow me. Jesus, I am praying to you. I continue to ask you for direction, but I can't hear you. I am here, Carrie. Turn to the sound of my voice and follow me. This is so frustrating. Follow me. I cannot hear a thing. Carrie, you've got junk and gross stuff in your ears. It's sinful stuff in your ears. You need to remove that stuff so you can hear me. Okay, Lord, I'm ready to hear you speak. No, you just never speak when I want you to. So I'm going to listen to other voices. There's people in my life that I trust, and I know they'll tell me what to do, so I'm just going to listen to them. Carrie, I'm here. Listen to the sound of my voice and follow me. God, you're pretty muffled. You need to speak up. I cannot hear you. I have these other voices I'm listening to. I'm listening to other people telling me what you say and i can't hear you carrie turn and listen to me and follow me you're turning the wrong way look towards me god i can't hear you your voice is so muffled carrie you are so quick to listen to the voices of others but you're confusing them with my voice listen to my voice only okay i'm listening to your voice but but god I want you to lead me in this direction. Carrie, stop. I don't want you to go straight. You need to listen to me. You need to turn to your right and follow the sound of my voice. God, I want you to lead me this way. I can see some light and the other voices were telling me, and I think I should, you should lead stop me this way. Stop right where you are, Carrie. I know you think you can see, but I can see more than you. 
You need to follow me. Carrie, do you trust me? Then I want you to turn all the way around. I want you to take two steps forward. Stop. I want you now to take one step to your right. One more step to your right. And I want you to walk straight to the sound of my voice. More. 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 Stop. You are right where I want you. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks for your help. Would you give my wife a hand for letting me uh, stick toilet paper in her ears? Now, I tried to warn you, it was a simple, silly illustration, so if you have a brilliant mind, then it may not help you. But for those who have a, a simple mind, it may help you the way it's helped me. Friends, why is God not answering my prayer? Sometimes it has to do with what I'm asking for. Sometimes it has to do with He's answering and I'm not listening. Well, why can't I hear God? Sometimes it's with me. Sometimes it's with what I'm willing to do and so on. But as we look at these two passages of Scripture, I want you to come back to the text with me. And I want us to see what this little illustration talked to us about is right in God's Word. This second story we heard in in 1 Samuel chapter 2 of Eli's sons. They were at the same place as Samuel. They had been all around the things of God. They were even involved in the work of God, but yet they were not hearing God clearly. At least they were not responding to Him. And there's some things that blocked or hindered them from hearing. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. Ears that are hindered by sin will not hear from God. Ears that are hindered by sin will not hear from God. Verse 17 says, This sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Friends, sometimes we we get all frustrated at God because we can't hear Him speak. He's not answering our prayers when we pray. And all along, He is shouting out to us, but our ears are clogged with all kinds of junk. And we cannot hear because of the sin or the willful disobedience that's blocking us from hearing the Lord. Psalm 6 verse 18 says this, if I harbor sin in my heart, God will not hear me. It's also true, if I harbor sin in my heart, I cannot hear God. That willful disobedience will block me from hearing him clearly. John Bunyan is quoted with saying this. I love this statement. Listen to this. Prayer will make a person cease from sin. Or Sin will make a person cease from prayer. What, what is John talking about? If, if I am truly a man of prayer, and I'm wanting to talk to God and hear from God, and I'm hearing from Him, He will lead me away from sin, away from disobedience. But if I am committed to my own way, if I will not leave my disobedience, if I am in sin, sin will make me not want to pray. Sometimes I I hear a friend, they'll say, Brady, I just don't enjoy prayer. God never speaks to me. Not always. Not always. But sometimes the first issue is it's it's an avenue of willful disobedience that's clogging up this whole thing of relationship with Jesus and hearing him speak and praying and hearing his answer to us. Because we view prayer as something other than what it's intended to be. The second we won't be able to hear God 
with ears that are hindered by neglect. Now, these young men, Eli's sons, no doubt they knew the message. They knew the truth. They were raised up in the truth. They were around the truth. And I don't believe that all of a sudden one day they just were stealing the offering meat for themselves. But, but often, we don't know in the text, it doesn't say it right there, but we do know in humanity and other places in Scripture, often it's little compromises that lead us to this blatant disobedience with the Lord. And there's this neglect that can take place in our life. And for them to move in this path, they're in the presence of the Lord, in the house of the Lord, the calling that God had put on their life, to, to clearly be doing whatever they wanted, not following God's plan, had to have started with some kind of neglect. Eli's sons were wicked men. They had no regard for the Lord. How did their heart get so hardened for the Lord? It started by pushing him out a little by little by little. Tozer gives us these strong words. The greatest sin of the church in our generation is the sin of prayerlessness. Now, when I think about that, I mean, I don't know many Christians who would say, I don't want to pray. Prayer is not good. I mean, how many Christians would, would say, people pray too much? Not many people would say that, that that's a problem. We pray too much. But when we look at our own life of how often we pray or how we pray or what we pray about or what we ask for or what our prayer life looks like, sometimes we feel convicted. And Tozer's view of the great problem in this generation is that we do not pray. We're not in communication with God. The reason why I think your question was so powerful, why does God not answer my prayer? Why, why does it seem like I can't hear God? If we are not hearing from God and talking to God in this relationship, if we're not honest about it like you were in your question and get to the root of the problem, we'll begin to pretend we may believe here that we're serving a risen Jesus. We could sing stronger, stronger, and sing about the sin and the death that he's conquered, but we live our life as if he's a statue. We live our life as if Jesus is functionally dead because he's not talking, he's not working, not doing anything. And this is not at all who Jesus is. We are called into relationship with him. See, another giveaway in the problem of hearing from God is, is a misunderstanding of prayer. Prayer is not me getting something from God. Jot that down. It's not me getting something from God. Prayer is me giving myself to God. So when I go to God in prayer and I'm asking him for whatever it is that's on my heart, or I'm talking about whatever on my heart, am I there with an attitude to say, God, give me. Give me this, give me that. Or do I come with an attitude to say, God, I'm here to give myself to you. So I'm just going to make up something silly. Okay? But it could be, could be an issue. God, I want to buy that brand new car that I've had my eye on. <laughs> it's awesome. It, it it's my favorite model. It's the favorite type. I want to buy that brand new car, God. So, Lord, I'm, I'm asking that you would give that to me. Because you love me. You'll give me what I want. Give me that. In fact, I, I read somewhere, Lord, in your word in John 15, 7, actually, uh, whatever I wish, you will give to me. So, I wish for that car, would you give it to me? Now, if we examine and excavate, go down to that heart motive, the way I was speaking could give some red flags to say, what's the motive of that prayer? Is it to get something from God? Or is it to give myself to God? What if that prayer was phrased this way? Lord, I, I need to buy a car. 
you've blessed me with resources. And this is the car I'm looking at that I'm, I'm pretty excited about. And Lord, it seems, it seems good to me, but is this what you would have me do, Lord? Is this what's right for you? Lord, I want to give you myself and everything I have. See, one has an attitude of I want to get something from God. The other says, Lord, I want to give you myself. And so how I hear from God is very, very different based on what I ask and how I ask of God. Well, we not only learn from the sons of Eli, we also learn from Samuel. So let's look at what what happens for people who do hear from the Lord clearly and maybe help us get to the bottom of this good, good question. Why does it appear that God's not speaking to me? Or how come he's not answering me? Or it seems like he's not answering me. Well, look at number three. For people who are, are hearing from the Lord, there's a characteristic. They have ears that hear by ministering to the Lord. In 1 Samuel 3, 1, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord. As we look in the context of this scripture, he wasn't just serving the Lord, though that's a part of ministering to the Lord. He was there in his very presence all the time. That was what his life was. He gave his every waking moment To be in service to the Lord, ministering to the Lord, this gives us an idea of relationship. There's communion. There's some intimacy that's going to happen in Samuel's life with being there in the presence of the Lord. He was sensitive to it. Well, the other brothers were there, but their heart was not in ministering to the Lord. They did not have that relationship to the Lord. So ears that are saying, Lord, my very presence here right now, at this job, in this stage of life, in this very hour, I am here to live for you. This week at Jim York's funeral, I was reflecting on the things that the family had shared with me and, and Ruth had shared to me that the Jim was quiet but strong in his faith. And she listed a number of things that some of you can do in the church that Jim didn't feel like that was his gifting or he wasn't good at. But she said, Brady, everything that Jim did, he did unto the Lord. Everything I knew of Jim, that was a true statement of him. I I know that we've seen people around us that they look at every opportunity, every action, everything they do. Lord, I'm doing this unto you. And so this attitude helped Samuel hear because his heart was, Lord, I'm even doing this for you. I'm I'm serving at my job for you. I'm loving on my family for you. Uh, My existence is to please you. This helped open up Samuel's ears. Let's look at the fourth. Ears that hear also have this desire to seek godly counsel. Samuel didn't get it right on his own. Sometimes I think that we, we're going to really impress God, and we think that we're going to impress God because we're the lone ranger. I don't need anybody else's help. Me, God, myself, I don't need a soul. Jesus says, that's not how I created you. I, I created you to need a community. I put you in a body of believers. You're not all that by yourself. And so the Lord used Eli to speak to Samuel and help him recognize that this could be the Lord speaking to him. God often will do that. You know, there's three ways that God often speaks to us. He can do whatever he wants. It's not limited to three. But he'll often speak to us through his word. He'll speak to us in a still, small voice, in our thoughts. And he'll also often speak to us through another Christian brother or sister. And we want to filter that and make sure it's the Lord and not something else. But he often speaks to us that way. There's other ways he can speak to us. But how do I know if it's God speaking to me or if it's the, the tacos that I ate last night? How do I know if it's God speaking to me or that just deep desire to have what I want? I had some mentors share with me these three things that are 
helpful to me. I want to share them with you now. It could be that the Lord would use this as one Christian brother sharing with you, and, and maybe the Lord would speak to you through this. How could I distinguish if this is the Lord speaking to me or not? Sometimes we say, God's not speaking to me. He is, but, but I'm not listening close enough. I need to tune that dial in. Other times, I may end up blaming the Holy Spirit for telling me something that had nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. It was something totally else, totally separate. One, I think we have to look at our motive. Our motive. Is my heart motive right? Back to that illustration of if if I'm praying for that car, am I wanting that car at all costs? No matter what, I've made up my mind. Jesus, this is what I want. So you give it to me. That's what's going to happen. Either you bless it or I won't. But I'm going to have it anyway. The next one here is not only is my motive right, But is the message consistent with God's word? Is the motive of what I'm asking pure? Is the message that I think that I'm hearing consistent with God's word? It reminds me of two friends that I had. They don't live in this state, so it's nobody that you know. One of my friends came to me one Sunday night, and he said, Brady, I want you to come in the parking lot and see my brand new Corvette. What kind of struck me with this is I also was working with my friend who was having a lot of financial troubles, and it was just between he and I, and, and I've such gotten permission to share this story without his name. He's allowed me to do that. And uh, so I was kind of surprised that he got this brand new car because we'd been, been working on some things together. And he said, well, I, I got this credit card limit raised, and uh, I bought this new Corvette on a credit card. And, and the first thing that went through my mind is I didn't even know that's possible. But I thought, okay. And uh, at 29.9% interest, he's got this brand new car, and he had confessed to me already, he had no plan, no way to even make the minimum payments on that credit card. But he said, you know what, I deserve it, and God wants to bless me. And he said, you know what, I knew it was God's will, because it went through on the card, it wasn't declined. Now, I thought there in that moment, I thought, well, I, something just doesn't seem right. So I walked through some of these filters, what's the motive, and I, I, I wasn't sure on the motive of that. Did he really want to hear from God or did he decide he already wanted to get that? And then the message, I had a lot of red flags going up because, you know what? I don't know that I've ever seen God's word say, if it's possible, then it's definitely God. In fact, Paul said, while all things may be permissible, it may not be beneficial. And there's a prince of this world here doing all kinds of things that just because it happens doesn't mean it's God doing that, and so there was some challenge there. And so we can look at what is the motive, and what is the message of what we're hearing? Does it square with God's word? And then also we can look to momentum. When the Lord is speaking to us, not only if we have a pure motive, can we hear more clearly, is the message line up with his word of what we've seen him say before to us, but there will be a growing momentum. As my friend shared this story with me, I could see even as he was sharing, he felt kind of sheepish saying that he put it on his credit card. And... Uh, and I'm not harping on your credit card. That's not what this point is. For my brother, who I'd worked with and we were close friends with, he knew this was wrong. So if you've got some way that you're able to pay things off right away, whatever, don't let me make you angry. You just listen to God. But for him, this was wrong. And there was no momentum. It was losing excitement. In fact, he was hoping that I could give him some excitement about him taking me out to see his car. Maybe I could talk him into why this is such an exciting thing. When the Lord is speaking to us, he'll be clear. Satan is vague. God is specific. It will be consistent with his word. And it will also be a growing momentum of 
this is an oughtness or rightness that will continue to happen. See, Samuel had ears that would seek godly counsel. And just like a mentor had shared this with me, we can have counsel from others that will help us hear from God's word. But let's go on and look at what happened here in Samuel's life. Ears that hear also will submit to Christ's lordship. Three times in this passage, Samuel says, when he hears his name called, Yes, here I am. Yes, here I am. In fact, the first two times he didn't even know it was the Lord, but he was submitting to his authority in Eli. And he was submitting to the Lord's authority when Eli said, I think this is the Lord speaking to you. When we submit to Christ's lordship, it opens us up to hear more from God. Am I submitting to the Lord? Sixth, ears that hear have a consistency in prayer. This wasn't a one-time thing for Samuel to be in the house of the Lord. This is where he dwelled. He was there night after night after night in the presence of the Lord, the same place. There's a value in continuing to go to the place of the Lord in prayer that helps us hear him more clearly. For time, I want to move on to number seven together. Ears that hear often hear better because of their bold obedience. Now, in verse 11 through 14, you look at it, the Lord speaks to Samuel and gives him a very clear message. He says to Samuel, this young boy, what Eli has been doing is dead wrong. He's not been disciplining his sons. In fact, he's been a participant in their disobedience by covering it up and and not acknowledging that they're very far from God. And and I'm going to deal with them swiftly. And I want you to go tell Eli about it. Now imagine being Samuel, this young boy, who hears from the voice of the Lord, go tell your mentor they're wrong. That had to be kind of scary. Friends, when we hear from God, there is a boldness that he calls us to to obey. And sometimes it's not sin that's blocking our ears. Sometimes it's not neglect of a relationship that's blocking our ears. Sometimes it's a lack of bold obedience. God's waiting on us to obey to hear the next piece of what he's going to say to us. He calls us to bold obedience. A long time ago, I I made a decision that I felt the Lord was calling me to. I didn't want to waste my breath and my life or waste your time with telling you or people like you wherever God would call me to preach what you want to hear. Because I believe if I truly love you the way Jesus has called me to love you, then I am to call out the word of the Lord for what we need to hear, not just what we want to hear. And you know what? I'm not speaking of anybody here in Fort Wayne. It's it's another state. (laughs) Not everybody likes that. (laughs) Maybe you don't like that. That's okay. I still love you. But you may say, well, Brady, everybody would love that. Nope, nope, that's not true. Not everybody likes that. Nope. I had, a, I had a gentleman come up to me. He says, I, I'm sick and tired of you saying that. I don't want to hear that anymore. I said, well, okay. I, help me here. This is what I see in God's Word. Do you feel like I'm reading it wrong? Nope, that's what it says. But I didn't come to church to be discouraged. I came to church to be encouraged. And you're preaching that verse and it discourages me. Skip that verse and preach something that encourages me. Oh. I said, friend. I don't come to church just to be encouraged. I don't come to church just to be excited. I don't come to church just to be entertained. I come to hear from the living God. And sometimes that living God loves me so much, he says, hey, hey, you got junk in your ears. You need to pull it out. Sometimes he says, you're listening to other voices so much. You can't go five minutes without seeing the update of ESPN. I put this on my watch and it won't stop. It just tells me over and over and over. I'm bombarded with information about scores on my watch. It's silliness. 
I'm bombarded with information. Some of you are bombarded with all kinds of information about your work. We're bombarded with, with what the news tells us. You should freak out because this is happening. You should stockpile because this is happening. You should be excited because that's it. Whatever it is, we get all this information for everybody else. And the Lord says, what have I said to you lately? You see, Jesus is longing to speak to us, but it calls us to bold obedience. So Samuel tells Eli this, and the Lord was pleased. But friend, I think it's important to note, a failure to act when God speaks leads to a failure to hear him the next time he speaks. I, I strongly believe that the Lord didn't love Samuel more than he loved the sons of Eli. He was speaking to them as well, but they failed to obey what the Lord had told them to do, even in a rebuke, even in a correction. And so therefore they drifted away, and pretty soon they were very comfortable doing whatever they wanted in the presence of God. But if I really want to hear him speak to me, if I really want to hear him answer my prayer, I say, Jesus, would you help me have the boldness to obey? Friends, you know what what grieves my heart? Sometimes I think we come to a song like, Stronger, he's stronger, he's stronger, he's conquered sin, death, and the grave. And sometimes it's like it doesn't even move our heart. Because I wonder if if we ever need a God to be stronger than ourselves. Oh, we know up here that I can't save myself from hell, but I live out here as if I have the strength to do everything myself. Because I've prayed a prayer, or I've, I've said some kind of declaration of what I believe in my head, so therefore I'm good, God. Thank you for the get-out-of-hell-free card. I'll live this life by myself. Friend, if you and I are obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, some of them should scare us to death. I'm going to say it again. That was good. If we were obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, some of them would scare us to death. You see, because God calls us to things that are bigger than ourselves, He calls us to obedience that we could never do in our own strength. And so I need to have His power to help me obey. Oh, that's good preaching. I don't care who you are. That's it. That's good. Well, I think we've scratched a little bit of the surface of what can clog our ears from hearing from God. And I think we've talked a little bit about what happens when God may be answering my prayer, but I'm not listening to his answer. But I don't know that we've scratched the itch yet of the question of John 15, 7. John 15, 7 says this, the second part, ask what you, whatever you wish and it will be given to you. And I really believe that this question that was asked was a sincere heart that says, why is it when I sincerely ask for God to give me this? I don't feel he has an answer. Sometimes, as we said, it's a no because he loves me so much. Whenever God says no, he says no, it's going to hurt you or hurt someone else. And we have a limited view of what, what makes sense. But he sees things that we don't see. But there's another part to this, and I want to land on this this morning, is when we take this verse in context of John 15:7. here's what it says. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. It hinges on that first part. We need to remain in Him and He'll remain in us. Well, what does it look like for us to remain in Him and Him to remain in us? Jesus begins to change the things that we ask for. Jesus begins to change the things that we hunger for. Jesus begins to change the things that we so desperately feel like is a must in our life. 
If I remain in him, if I stay connected to him, he'll remain in me. In fact, he says, apart from him, we can do nothing. And this is why this question was so awesome that you asked. If I begin to say, Jesus, I want to pray like you want me to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. How do I get to the place when that's what I ask for, when I so clearly want this? Remember a number of months ago we talked about that modern day parable of little King Will? Anybody remember that? We had this little kingdom and Will had some advisors. The advisor of the mind who would think, 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 think. The advisor of the emotions who would feel, feel, feel. And the advisor of desire who would want, 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 want all kinds of stuff. And when Jesus came to be the king of that kingdom, he said, Will, I'm not kicking you out. You still have a job. Here's your job, Will. I want you to go to the mind and take every thought captive. I want you to go to the emotions and take every feeling captive. I want you to go to desire and take every want captive and bring them to me. Because they have been operating on lies from the enemy your whole life. And when I speak truth to them, I'm going to change your mind, your emotions, and your desires. And so for some of us, the answer to this question of why is it that God is not answering my prayers, friend, he always answers. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. And sometimes he says not now. And because he sees what we cannot see, when my motive is right for him, he'll say, Brady, I love you so much, I don't want to give you something that will short-circuit the blessing that I have for you. Now, I confess there's some things that we may not understand until we get to heaven. But this relationship of taking every thought, every feeling, every desire captive, and letting Jesus speak truth to it, this is what prayer looks like. Some of us today just need to say, Jesus, I've been thinking, and then I started feeling that I've been taken advantage of. It's about enough of this. People taking advantage of me. And it makes me want some desires to get even. What do you think about this, Jesus? Well, Brady, I think you've been thinking wrong. And uh, in turn, you've been feeling some things that are not accurate, causing you to want some things that are not true. Uh, as the quartet sang, Jesus says, I came to this earth, fully God, became fully man, lowered myself to you, and they rejected me. And they misunderstood me. So I know what it's like to be misunderstood. And so you just follow me. And I won't make everything easy, but I will always be clear to you. (laughs) Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and sisters who are listening so well today. Lord, I thank you for the A-plus effort that they're giving to your word. But Lord, I I believe... They want the same thing that I want. We don't want to hear words from me. We want to hear from you, Jesus. And Lord, we know that there's no question we can ask that's too big to threaten you. And God, if we're honest, there's some of us here today who just feel like you are silent. There's some of us who feel like, God, that we've cried out to you over and over and over and over, and it feels like you're not answering Lord, would you illuminate our hearts today on what may be going on? Friend, I want to invite you just in these final moments to stop listening to me.
Anytime you want to stop listening to me, that's good. Just start listening to Jesus. That's better. But I invite you to ask him these questions. Jesus, is there, is there anything clogging my ears from hearing you? Any disobedience? Jesus, is there any neglect? I love you. I've lived for you, but I've kind of drifted away. Is there any neglect that's, that's clouding my hearing from being as sharp as you want it to be, Lord? Jesus, is there any motive in my prayer that I'm asking that really is wanting you to give me instead of me giving myself to you? Would you highlight that? Jesus, would you help me to see that you love me so much that you want to give me what I need, not always what I ask for? I thank you, Jesus, that you are living and active among us. I thank you that you desire to speak to us every moment of every day. Lord, I pray that you would take not only the question of these who asked it, but the rest of us who have got in on this discussion. You'll take the seeds of your truth and drive them deep in our heart. Lord, would you grow us in maturity to be like you in this area. It's in your name I pray. Amen.